everyone, I'm Monica and welcome back to another MCAT master interview. In this series, we basically just sit down with MCAT top scorers and ask them about the strategies they use during their process to hopefully inspire you as you're embarking on your own journey as well. So many students struggle with the MCAT, but that doesn't mean that they can't find a way to achieve their dream score. So we wanna show you how top scorers are finding success so that you guys can ultimately get there as well. So with that, I'd like to introduce you all to Yusuf Amali. Yusuf, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the series. Thank you, thank you for having me. Of course, we're so excited to get started and hear your story. But before we do, I just wanna give our listeners a little bit of more information about your background. So with just about a month left before his exam, Yusuf found himself plateauing at a 500 on practice exams and he was aiming for a 512. This is a large increase, but like we tell all of our students, it's absolutely possible to get there. Struggling and unsure what to do to increase his score, Yusuf began trying to change his study methods and approach to the exam, and that's what ultimately brought him to us. And with his tutor and his own perseverance, his hard work eventually paid off, and in less than 30 days, his score increased to a 512 on test day, which was his score goal. So congratulations again, Yusuf. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So in this interview, we're just gonna find out exactly how he increased his score by 12 points in just four weeks, looking specifically into how he studied, how he scheduled his prep, what strategies he used for each section specifically, and so much more. So with all of that, let's go ahead and launch in. So Yusuf, why don't you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about you before we get into the MCAT. Yeah, so I am in my senior year at university and I am, uh, wanting to become a physician like like all of you, I'm guessing, all mm -hmm. of you, if you've taken the MCAT, then sure, you're on the path to become a physician. So I am in my fourth year. I um, I like to garden and read and spend time with my family. That's what I like to do during my free time. Uh, I also like patient interaction. That's one of the reasons why I want to go into medicine. I'm very fond of patient interaction. And I've been volunteering as a medical assistant in one of my local primary care clinics. And I'm also interested in health disparities. And so that's something that I want to do as a physician in the future is address disparities in minority populations. Wow, that's such an important field to get into. And I think that that's really awesome that you already know that that's kind of where you're headed. Um, and it also sounds like you have a nice balance between outside of medical related stuff and medical related stuff in your life, which is always helpful, especially on the MCAT. So at the beginning of your journey on this path, what inspired you to want to become a doctor in the first place? Yeah, so I have a lot of family members that have chronic illnesses. And so those chronic illnesses and them succumbing to those chronic illnesses opened my eyes to uh, wanting to do more research and looking into how to cure and prevent chronic illnesses from occurring in individuals in the first place. And so that's what drove me to medicine and pushed me to medicine on my path where I am now. Also, one of my goals in the future is to work in preventative medicine and prevent certain chronic illnesses. So I have some family members that have Parkinson's, some family members that have recurring pneumonia. So how can we prevent these chronic illnesses from taking place in our patient population and our families? Yeah, yeah. And that, that motivation that's really personal to you, it's probably really important to keep you motivated on this path as well. So that's great. So in regard to the MCAT then, what was going on in your life when you began the journey to take on the MCAT? Yeah, I think, I think everyone procrastinates 
and when they want to start studying for the MCAT. So that was one of those people, you know, I mean, MCAT's a scary exam. It's an intense exam. And I remember the first time I, I launched into a practice question, I was just shocked. It was, it was nothing like I've ever seen before, nothing like you see in your undergraduate courses. And I didn't know what to expect. I was scared. I was scared. But uh, I started prepping in, uh, let's see, it was the fall semester of 2020. So it was almost a year ago, almost a year ago in the fall semester of 2020. That's when I said that I wanted to start prepping. And uh, that was a bad idea because during that semester, I was taking 20 credit hours. <laughs> and so it was quite difficult. I was, taking, well, I was taking organic chemistry. I was taking the lab. I was taking microbiology. I was taking immunology. <laughs> I was taking evolutionary <laughs> biology. So trying to, to balance like volunteering, shadowing 20 credit hours of science courses and MCAT was a terrible idea. And so I wanted to start then, and I was starting, but it wasn't real studying. It wasn't my true MCAT studying. It wasn't happening then. And so I basically delayed my MCAT studying where I was lagging in it until December. And that's when I started to tell myself, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. And that's when I actually started to sit down and properly begin my studying. But I started to take my practice exams, and that's when I noticed that I was just plateauing at the 500. So actually, first I was going to take it in January, but then I had to move it because I was plateauing at a 500 on my full lengths. But then it wasn't until later on that about a month or two beforehand, I was like, okay, something needs to change. Something's going wrong. Where I found MCAT Mastery and I was paired with my, my mentor and that helped significantly. And I ended up getting my score on test day. And what a journey it is. Like you said, it can be a real culture shock at the beginning when you encounter the exam for the first time. And it's just, it's just not the same as anything else you've done in the past. So I feel like that's a really relatable um, starting place for a lot of students as well. So I know I like mentioned this in your background bio that I shared, but your score goal was a 512. Um, and you ended up getting that, which is amazing. So how did you come up with that score goal that you wanted to get initially in the first place. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, all of us as, as people who are taking the MCAT on the journey of the MCAT, we want to get a 528, you know, you want to get the 528. <laughs> that's the best score. Uh, there's always room for improvement, but it's always important that when you're going on a journey and you have an endeavor that you pick a goal that's practical and reachable. So a 528, that, that's the hundredth percentile. How many people are scoring the hundredth percentile or the 99th percentile? Not many. <laughs> so, you know, the chances are you're probably not going to score a 528. So it's important that when you're making the score goal to choose something that's practical. And that's what I thought. I looked at myself and I said, what can I practically score on the MCAT? Not only what can, what can I practically score, but what's a nice, healthy, strong score for the majority of the schools that I intend to apply to within the United States. And so I saw a 512 as a, as a reachable score and it's a healthy score. It's a strong score. And that's how I went about choosing my, my score goal. But 512 or 515, 518, I mean, any of those could have worked out. But I, I chose 512. I thought that was a reasonable number for, for my situation. Yeah, and it, it's different for everyone. So the fact that you settled on that and someone else might settle on something else, that's completely valid. So in regard to your study plan then, so as you were beginning this journey and you kind of knew where you wanted to go and time was moving as it always is. How did you plan out your study schedule for the MCAT? Yeah. So that's always difficult because you, you want to know, how do I even study for this exam? And <laughs> so I was trying to do research online. How did other people study for the exam? 
And the first thing I thought is, okay, let me start with content review because that's something that, you know, throughout undergraduate career, you're memorizing content and you're learning content. So that's something I could start with was content review. And so with regards to content review, I thought, okay, uh, maybe half of my day or half of my studying time, I'll spend doing content review. And then the other half would be practice questions and reviewing practice questions. And so when I was doing content review, me personally, I'm a book person. I love to read the chapters. I love to read the different sections within those, you know, whatever books you use, Kaplan books, Blueprint, uh, any of those MCAT books. And I like to make outlines. That's how I, how I learn content. And then from those outlines, I would make Anki decks and I would learn the content through the Anki decks as well. But as everyone knows, the MCAT isn't just about content. Content can only get you so far on the exam. You actually have to know what the AAMC really wants from you. You have to answer questions the way they want you to answer those questions. And you have to know how to read their passages and analyze their graphs. And so that's where the MCAT mastery uh, mentor came into place. My mentor, Mahul, he showed me how to read the passages the way that I needed to read them and the traps that I need to look for and the certain nuances that were there in the passages. And in that way, when you read the MCAT passages and the questions, you have that MCAT sixth sense that they talk about, that you're going around trying to find the different key words that you're looking for. And then you're able to use your content that you learned and apply it in that context. Right. There's definitely a balance between the content piece and the strategy piece and how you kind of marry the two at some point, which can be a really difficult thing. And often like students who are plateauing, like the plateau that you saw, um, they're not able yet to make that connection, which is completely valid. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So on that note as well, with talking about the beginning of your MCAT journey, what materials and resources did you find and use that you found helpful in your prep? Yeah, so for flashcards, I use Anki. I really like the Anki program, how they show you a flashcard after a certain time interval. And so I would mm -hmm. make flashcards using Anki. Now books, I use the blueprint books. I use their, the blueprint book set. I really like the uh, typesetting on their book compared to the Kaplan books. I like their typesetting. And so that was just, I mean, obviously you can use any books, Kaplan or whatever, but I, that's, those are the ones that I used. Uh, other resources that I use are the ones that MCAT Mastery offered. So the MCAT Mastery, they have their handbook and their guide and there were nice resources in there. And then the ones that the, the mentor himself offered, you know, there, was, there were uh, sheets on, on the Google Docs cheat sheets and mnemonics and all those things that, that help with the content review. And then also the MCAT hat trick as well. That was nice. That was a very interesting way to review content uh, was that active recall. Flashcard is an active recall, but this was a more general form of active recall. You have to actually actively recall specific pieces of information from a broad category instead of specific pieces of information from specific uh, questions or specific concepts. Yeah. Wow. That does sound really helpful. And I've never heard that resource before. So that's awesome. Um, hopefully students will be able to utilize that. So going back and looking at more of your general MCAT journey again, so you kind of were mentioning this a little bit already, but what do you think were your biggest challenges or struggles that you encountered if you haven't mentioned this already? And how did you overcome those to get to where you finished up? I think the biggest challenge is the uncertainty. Like, you know, you want to get a, the 512, you want to get your score goal, 
but you're scared. I'm going to go take this exam. And what if I get a 500? So the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen. And I think we always get stressed out about these uncertainties in our life and we get anxiety and we get worked up and we want to make sure we micromanage everything and control everything in our life. But I think we have to realize that, um, that everything can't be controlled. You do what's best in the moment and you take the means and then you just hope that you'll get through it at the end. And so that's, that's always important and to get family support. So family support is very important in that family and community support. Yeah, exactly. The MCAT can be really isolating for sure. So getting support from where you can is definitely super helpful. And I'm glad that you mentioned these mindset related things because the MCAT is really a mindset exam in some ways. And you have to overcome these hurdles to really get to the next level. Um, So I'm glad you mentioned that. Is there anything during your prep that you, on the other hand, that you did, but you wish you had kind of done differently? Hmm. Let me see. So I think, (laughs) um, ah, let me see. I know it's a tough question. I I think, I I think I did everything. I think everything is, was there for a reason. You know, the Mm -hmm. entire process is a learning process. And so I learned about myself through all of the different experiences and all the different methods that I approached. Um, So I don't know that I would do anything differently. Uh, Maybe, I mean, not trying to study for the MCAT with a full class load. That's something (laughs) I would have done differently. Um, And probably maybe come find MCAT mastery earlier. (laughs) If I found you guys as resources earlier, it would have been nicer. That's probably what I would have done differently. Yeah. I love your mindset though, of it was all part of the journey, like had to make some mistakes to ultimately learn from them. So that's a good mindset to have looking back. So if someone, for example, who might be listening to this podcast is struggling and wants to increase their score, like you did, what advice would you have for them? Like what strategies or methods do you think were the most helpful for the increase itself? So I think it's always important to be motivated when you're studying for an exam like the MCAT, make it fun. And so I made sure that I enjoyed my time studying. Otherwise, you know, you're, if the entire time you have anxiety and you're stressed out, you're not going to be able to sit for, you know, let's say eight hours a day or however many hours you're studying, focusing on that topic or content or full length or whatever it is you're doing. So you really have to be motivated. So I think number one is you need to be motivated and make it fun in a way, make it enjoyable. Maybe go and study at the coffee shop, go and study at the library, do something to make it not, not work or something that you have to do, but something that you want to do and something that you enjoy doing. And then giving yourself breaks, giving yourself the day off, you know, one, once a week, I would try and give myself a day off, you know, just resting and recuperating and then coming back. It gives you more strength and vitality to be able to continue. So that's another important thing to do. Yeah. Thank you for like, speaking on that, because again, like I keep saying, the mindset piece and motivational piece, all of that is absolutely vital to get down in order to succeed on this exam. And I know you kind of were mentioning your tutoring experience with your tutor with MCAT Mastery as well already. Um, But would you mind just expanding a little bit more on what that was like for you and what helped you the most from those sessions? Uh, So the ChemFizz section was also important because uh, my tutor, he showed me that in the ChemPhys section, you really don't have to focus as much on the passage because ChemPhys is more quantitative than passage-based. And so you can really just jump into the questions and start to answer the questions on your own sometimes without even reading the passage. So that would help save time on the ChemPhys section. 
But uh, other than that, him showing me uh, how to answer certain questions. And then when I had questions coming to him and just saying, you know, I don't know how to answer this. I'm trying to approach it from this perspective. What's the correct way to answer the question? Those were, that really helped. The sessions really helped with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, tutoring is a, an amazing asset. So I'm glad it was so fruitful and helpful for you. Um, so moving on to the specific sections now. So your highest score was a 131 in psych Soch, which is amazing. So how did you study for that section specifically? And what advice would you have for students who might be struggling with it? Yeah, so I, actually my highest was 130 BB. I think you said 131 psych Soch. Yes, I did. <laughs> 130 uh, BB was oh, the highest. Sorry about that. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> so your high score was a 130 in BioBioChem. BioBioChem, yeah. Psych Soch, got a 128, yes. Okay. I'm sorry about that. No, no, no problem. Uh, So yeah, so for the bio biochem, so me, I love biology, biochemistry. So it really helps to love the the subject that you're studying for and the section that you're studying for. And so that helped a lot. That was the first. Number two, know your amino acids. I think everyone who tutors or who gives advice regarding the biology, biochemistry section on the MCAT, they always say, know your amino acids. There's always going to be a question on amino acids. I mean, the AAMC really makes it clear in their practice exams and in their question packs, there's amino acids everywhere. And so that can really help. And the third thing with regards to reading the passage, me, I'm a very visual person and I like to map things out. And so I would draw out the biochemical pathways on the whiteboard or on that laminated piece of paper that they give you during the MCAT. And so that really helped because they ask you about those, those biochemical processes is um, what if I change this or if I add this? And so that really, really helped just trying to write everything out and seeing it in front of you. If you're a visual learner, I'm a visual person. And so those, those three things. And then the fourth I would have to say is break it up according to the scientific method because these passages are usually presented according to the scientific method. So try and identify as you're reading the independent variable, the dependent variable, any limitations to the experiment, the conclusions, and that really helps because they ask those questions. They ask, what's the dependent variable? What's the independent variable? What if I change this or change that? And it also helps to read the graphs. So those are probably the four tips that I would give on the bio bio section. Bio bio was always usually my, my, my highest score. And so, you know, 130, I wasn't too shocked about that. Even when I was scoring a, um, the 500 plateau, it was usually around a 128 in those full lengths. But I would really say just love the topic, love the subject. And then do those four things. Yeah, love the like list that you're giving. Um, that's going to be a really concrete way to help people, which is awesome. So moving on then to Psych-Sosh, where you got a 128, how did you study for that section? And what advice would you have there? Yeah, so Psych-Sosh is interesting because Psych-Sosh and Bio-Biochem, they're very similar in terms of the passages. What do I mean by that? In terms of the information that they're trying to present in the passage like a scientific experiment, and then the types of questions related to the passage and the scientific experiments being discussed. So psych in both biobiochem will ask about dependent and independent variables and ask about changing those. And so for psych as well, make an outline according to the scientific method. That's number one. Number two is know your content. Psych is usually just a lot of memorization. And so if you really know your content, you know your theories, you know the different sections, then that will really help. And then number three is know the nuances because the MCAT really loves to ask 
what's you know what's the difference between the availability heuristic and the representativeness heuristic? They sound the same. They look the same. You know, so new, know those nuances because they'll definitely ask about nuances. Uh, and then number four, this doesn't seem like it's on the top of my head right now, but Anki really helped <laughs> okay. for PsychSoch. Anki really helped for PsychSoch because there was a lot of memorization. Oh, and then UWorld. UWorld was excellent for PsychSoch too. I would definitely recommend doing UWorld and I would definitely recommend doing all the UWorld questions in PsychSoch. And then obviously the WMC question packs. So those are important. That's a, just a general general piece of advice is the WMC exams and question packs. I did all of them at, at least. I did the full lengths at least twice. And then the question packs, tried and I tried to do them three times. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Those resources, like you said, are completely critical for the MCAT, obviously. So moving on now to CARS. So a lot of students struggle with this section in particular. So... How did you study for this section and what advice would you have for struggling students? Yeah, so cars was always my lowest. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just, you know, don't ever feel down because of your car score. Don't get depressed. Don't become sad. My cars, I remember once I scored a 123 on my full length on cars. And actually, I actually never on any of my full lengths got a 128 on cars. I think my highest on cars was 126. And so... You really never know with cars. Cars is always all over the place. But I would definitely say that with regards to cars, focus on the main idea. The main idea you can probably the main idea you could probably answer like eighty percent of those questions. And so, for me, I made I made a map on my paper. So I would map out every paragraph. So let's say the passage had five paragraphs. I would write the number one on the board, and then next to it, I would write the main arguments or the main ideas of that specific paragraph. And so each and every one of the paragraphs, I did that. I did that for each and every one of the paragraphs. And at the end, I would look at this map that I made and I would be able to see what's the main idea of the passage. The main idea of the passage is the idea that's repeated in more than one paragraph. And so I think a lot of students, when they hear this, they're probably like, oh my God, I don't have this much time to write down an entire map of, of the passage. The problem is you read too fast. That's why you don't have enough time. The entire cars is about reading. You have to slow down and you have to take your time reading. 70% of your time on cars should be with reading the passage. And only 30% of your time should be with the questions. And when you give 70 to 80% of your time on the passage and you map it out like that, and you really focus on, you know, imagine the author is in front of you and you're talking with him. Cars is also about arguments. It's the entire thing is about arguments. They're asking you about arguments. How would this change the argument in the passage? That's another thing. Realize that it's all about arguments. And don't bring your own arguments into the passage. Focus on the author's arguments. But when you focus on reading, let's say the 80% of the time, when you get to the questions, you'll be able to answer those questions in 20, 30 seconds. So that's the main advice that I have for CARS. I know CARS is difficult because a lot of people who are on the pre-med journey, they're more science-oriented. And CARS really helps those who have a liberal arts background, I found. Those who need like logic and other uh, liberal arts uh, humanities because there is a lot of logic in it. So there's, there's a lot of logic, there's a lot of rhetoric, things that they wouldn't expect like a pre-med, traditional pre-med to know. And that's the thing about the MCAT. It's not there for the average person. You know, you really have to apply yourself and be well-rounded to approach it. Definitely. Um, there are definitely a lot of different skills at play when it comes to the MCAT and cars can be a really difficult one to master. So thanks for expanding on that section in particular. Um, so the last section we have here is chem and phys. So again, like this is a section that a lot of students struggle with. 
Do you have any advice for this section and how did you study for it? Yeah, so Chem Phys, it was my lowest section, 126. I'm okay with that. I'm not too upset. I would have liked <laughs> a 128. Uh, I think my highest on my full length was a 127 on that. So it's there, it's within range. But um, I would say, again, the advice that my, my tutor gave me was really focus on the quantitative aspect of it. Don't get too caught up into the passage because the passage is really just there to confuse you and trick you. Chemphys is mostly just quantitative. And so sometimes you can even skip the passage altogether and just go directly to the, the questions. I mean, anyone who's done some of the AMC question packs, you'll see some of those passages. It's just historical content. There really isn't anything from there. So reading the passage can sometimes be a waste of time. So people who are experiencing time constraints with chemphys, try and go directly to the question and see if you can answer it without passage knowledge. Another thing is don't get scared because I know chemphys is a lot of numbers. I mean, I remember I almost panicked on my chemphys section. I sat down to take the MCAT, the first passage that comes up. I'm like, oh my God, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> I, you know, there were numbers everywhere and tables and charts and there was equations. I've never seen any of this before. And I think, you know, people get scared on the chemphys section because of that. And you really just got to calm yourself down. They're not going to ask you something that's not on their content outline. Everything's on their content outline. They're not going to ask you something outside of that. And it's much simpler than it seems. It's much simpler than it seems. And so just keep telling yourself that. Simplify the passage simplify the question that's important and then make sure you know your scientific notation how to do computation using scientific notation that's critical because there's no calculator on the mcat and they expect you to be able to use scientific notation to do algebraic uh, manipulations and using equations but that's important and then knowing relationships so there's a lot of equations to memorize for the mcat i used anki for that i also transcribe i love to transcribe and i love to teach that's another way to kind of reinforce pieces of information and memorize and so just teaching the wall uh Posey's law and Bernoulli's equation one of the most ugliest looking equations on the MCAT <laughs> but a lot of times they're not going to ask you to use that in computation but they want you to know the relationships and so if you just memorize the equation you'll know the relationship and so that's that's very important but at the end of the day I mean it's doable you know it's always doable yeah, exactly. Sometimes the simplest answer is the answer. Um, so getting those points where you can, super, super important. And chem and phys, it's a struggle as well, but it doesn't have to be. Um, so, so now launching into your actual MCAT test day and the experience of that. So walk us through what your test day was like and, and how it was for you in general. Yeah, so I mean, us talking about it right now, I'm getting like a anxiety <laughs> thinking about it. I mean, so I I'm a morning person, so I did the 7:30 a.m. exam. I think that's the best time for me. I know they offer a 3 p.m., but that's way too late. You know, you get home like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. So I did the 7:30 a.m. exam, and for me, I think just being calm. You know, you have to be calm. You tell yourself that I spent you know, all of these months studying, I did my best. And not only that, but you know your capabilities. My lowest full length after I was plateauing at about 500 was a 506. My highest was a 515. So I know what my capabilities are and you have that there to kind of give you motivation. But the important thing is to always stay calm. And so, yeah, I walked in there. Obviously there was COVID restrictions. So that was a bit difficult. You know, we had to wear a mask the entire time. But uh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always take your full lengths wearing a mask. If you're going to be taking uh, the MCAT during COVID rest restrictions, please do your full lengths wearing a mask. Wearing a mask for eight hours, it can get very, 
can get very suffocating. And so just make sure you're used to that. Um, going in there, you know, you, you check in and everything and you sit down. Uh, I would have to say one of the surprising things to me was the computer interface. You know, I was used to taking the MCAT full lengths on a MacBook and everything was nice and clear, high definition. And I get there and these old desktops they have us taking the MCAT on, you can't even like, like it's difficult to even read the question because it's pixelated some of the stuff. That was a bit, that was a bit shocking for me, but it's doable. It's doable. And so make sure you're used to uh, using, you know, a, a desktop and, and don't try and take full lengths on your laptop because you're going to be using a desktop. And then another thing is the proctors. So you have a proctor sitting there. I remember she was sitting right across from me. I had the glass wall in front of me and she was sitting there just staring at me for the entire eight hours directly. <laughs> and so that can be very nerve wracking. So just make sure you're, you're aware of these things. Uh, I mean, I think I think that piece of advice other people gave me was that your test day is never going to go as planned. So you can do your best to make your testing environment at home or the library or wherever you're taking your full lengths as close to the testing center as possible. But just know that on test day, there's going to be unexpected things happening. Like I've heard of somebody that the fire alarm went off when they were taking their exam and they had to run out. And so that's just terrible. I mean, imagine that type of stress there in that situation. So just know that, you know, expect the unexpected. You know, you can't, you can't control for everything. But you do your best and you just relax. You go in there and you put forth your best foot and just have certainty and know that, you know, have hope that the best is going to come out, hopefully. Exactly. Sometimes the unexpected can occur, but just do your best. I think you said it the best. Um, so after your exam, so walking out of your MCAT test date, how were you doing waiting for your score to come back? <laughs> yes. So I think this is probably one of the worst experiences ever that they make you wait <laughs> a month for that score. I mean, the entire month I was worried. I was worried the entire month because mm -hmm. I got out of the exam. I was scared. I was like, whoa, that was hard. I mean, I will definitely say that when I took the exam, it was significantly more difficult and not to scare anyone, but <laughs> significantly more difficult than the full lengths that the AMC provides. <laughs> now, it wasn't out of the ordinary. Like, it definitely felt like a AMC exam. The questions were AMC, but it's not all, like all the high yield stuff that they give on their full lengths. So their full lengths are really composed of a lot of high yield questions. And the exam that I took, it really wasn't a lot of high yield. There were some curveballs. There were some unexpected questions that you really had to study in the crevices of MCAT content to know those things. So I really left that exam a little bit scared. Um, with the BB, I was confident. With the BB, I was confident. But especially with cars, I was actually shocked and I got my 128 on cars. But I was scared with the cars and I was scared with the uh, chemphys as well, both of those. Uh, the other two mm -hmm. BB and which I was okay with, but yes, the month long wait is just, it's, it's terrifying, but I just recommend yeah. that you, you be calm. You give yourself a couple of days off here and there. You enjoy time with your family. You do things that you enjoy. Don't stress yourself out. The entire journey of, of getting into medical school is, is a lot of stress and anxiety. And it's important that you take care of your health, make sure you're sleeping properly, you're eating properly, you're exercising, and, and don't focus too much on those things. Because there's a lot of other things in life to be worrying about and thinking about. Because it is what it is. At the end of the day, you took it. You can't go back in time and, and change anything. It's done. So why worry about something that you have no control over? And so at the end of the day, you know, you just leave it at that. 
And yeah, you have to just wait. And when the, the time to open that score came, I know my heart almost stopped when I clicked <laughs> on, on to open the score. And when I saw my score, I was shocked. I mean, I, I thought I was having an illusion. <laughs> like, yeah, so getting my score back, like I said, you know, my heart stopped when I, when I was <laughs> clicking on it. And I saw my 512 and I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And so I just kept logging back in and out to see if it was real or if it was an illusion. And it was obviously real. <laughs> And so that gives someone something to look forward to is just, you know, getting that score back and, and seeing that you actually accomplished your goal, you reached the end, it's doable. It's actually doable. You know, the MCAT is, is not impossible. And so you get to sit back and just take a breath at the end of the day and, and pat yourself on the back and, and uh, relax and move on to the next part of the process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on that note, my last question for you is what happens next? So are you applying now? What's your next step? Yes, so I am actually in the process of applying. And, and so I am, yes. I am uh, hoping to start medical school next August. And I'll definitely keep in contact with, with the MCAT Mastery and my tutor as well. He wanted to know as well how my journey went. And so right now yeah. I'm in that process. And, and that itself is, is just as taxing <laughs> as the MCAT. I can tell you all the different secondary essays, mm -hmm. these schools they send you. And, and I, I think I remember talking with somebody and she was like, you know what, these secondary essays they're more stressful than studying for the MCAT. I'm like, mm, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, <laughs> I think the MCAT was much more difficult than these essays. <laughs> but uh, I'm, that's where I'm currently right now. And, and so um, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting process. And I am hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah. And we're hoping for the best for you as well. Um, you definitely earned your score and through all the hard work and everything that you put in as you were going through. And like you said, like you made it through the MCAT, you made it through like this huge obstacle. And now you're into the exciting part, which is getting to go to the school that you want to go to, hopefully. So that's awesome. Good luck with everything going forward. Um, and congratulations again on your score. That is amazing. Thank and you, you earned it. You. And I think that was all the questions I had for you. But again, thank you so much, Yusuf. Um, do you have any final thoughts or pieces of advice to anyone who's listening? Yeah, so just believe in yourself, be calm. And always, you know, I always remember what my, one of my professors told me. He said, if others have done it, then so can I. And so just tell yourself that. If others have done it, then so can I. And you really can do it. So if I did it, you can do it. If I got a 512, you can get a 512. If someone else got a 518, you can get a 518. So don't, don't ever give up. I love that. That's the perfect way to end this episode. Again, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and to all of our listeners, good luck and you got this. Happy studying. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is Monica again. And before you go, I just want to remind you that if you're not receiving our daily free MCAT strategy and success story emails yet, definitely be sure to sign up for those at mcatmastery.net slash free course. In addition to that, if you feel like you might need personalized help with the exam and would like to have an MCAT mentor kind of look at your situation and help you identify exactly what's holding your score back, you can look into that too at mcatmastery.net slash mcatmentors. And lastly, and most importantly, we just want you guys to know that you have what it takes to succeed on this exam. We know the MCAT is intimidating, and when you get a score that's lower than you expected on a practice or on the real thing, it's so easy to feel discouraged or frustrated or even hopeless about the exam. We get it. A lot of us have been there. 
So we want to give you the guidance that we wish we'd had when we were in your shoes. And that's what these interviews are for. That's what our emails are for. We want you guys to be able to feel confident again. And most importantly, be able to see that med school admission is possible. And it's not out of your reach at all. So thanks again for listening. And remember that every top scorer, every med student, and every doctor made it through this journey. So you can do it too. You guys got this.